So, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, yesterday with this was the auspicious disappearance of Shilajiva Goswami. And uh, we'll honor him tonight by discussing his Bhagavat Sandarbha. We are in up to the 79th Anucheda. And in the 79th Anucheda, Srila Jiva Goswami presents a series of verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, which explain uh, from Brahma's lips the revelation uh, and the circumstances uh, surrounding the Kumars um, seeing the Lord of Vaikuntha. And from this, he draws out many very deep meanings in order to continue. He's continuing his discussion of the Lord's internal Swarup Shakti and how that Shakti is itself equivalent to himself, to his very form. Although it's different in nature, it's his nature. So both his abode and his associates and his very form, it's all one and the same Swarup Shakti, his internal potency. Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. It's at the core of, of our understanding of the, the Supreme Lord. So this is more alike than different. In fact, Jeeva is going to bring out in this section, this is truly what's meant by uh, Vedanti Tat Tattva Vidas Tattvam Tattvam Yash Janam Advayam. It's this, this is the oneness. No matter how you look at it, as Brahman, as Paramatma, or as Bhagavan, it's all Krishna. And that's the one thing that Srila Jiva Goswami gave to the Vaishnav community. He brought out the true meaning of Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam. It was there in the Bhagavatam all along, but he's the one that, that brought it out and put it in the forefront of the Vaishnav community and said, Krishna is the source of all other manifestations, including Narayan and Vaikuntha or Vishnu and Vaikuntha, or whatever nomenclature you want to apply to that Vaikuntha personality, well, really, the one that's enjoying pastimes past in Vraj, in Goloka, Vrindavan, in that transcendental realm, that's really the main personality behind all the other personalities. So you're thinking... Well, all the personalities are coming through Karna Dakshai Vishnu, coming from Lord Narayan in Vaikuntha, 
but Lord Narayan and Vaikuntha is coming from Krishna in Goloka. So it's, it's a profound contribution that Jivas Goswami made to the Vaishnav community and thus putting the Gaudiya Vaishnavs at the very fore of theistic understanding of Godhead. So we got to the verse last discussion and we're going to reread the verse and then we're going to go through and Srila Jiva Goswami basically brings out the highlights of all these verses. And uh, Satchanarayan Das Babaji in his commentary and presentation um, he because the, the Adocheta is basically one verse from this Bhagavatam section where the Kumaras go to the gates and are kept out. So he goes through this section verse by verse, first with the verse from the Bhagavatam and then with an explanation of the verse. He gives like a, a his commentary on it. So what we're going to do, and then if Sachin Orion has anything to add to that commentary to give us some context in our own to bring out any other meanings, then that's also there. So step by step, he goes through these verses, understanding though that the central thrust of the of what's being presented is this whole idea of this is all Krishna. And we can understand a lot about Krishna by the way he acts in this particular Leela. How did he and how his internal energy and his external energy and how he deals with his devotees. So the verse, he begins, Jiva does, with the 37th verse from the 15th chapter of the third canto. Now this is being spoken by Brahma to the demigods. The, uh, the demigods are a little concerned because there's some disturbance in the universe affairs. They don't know quite what it is, but they know something's going on. And it's because there's two great personalities in the womb of Diti. Uh, some would call them not so great, but really they are very great. So, on becoming aware of the offense committed to the sages by members of his own entourage, the lotus naveled lord, who is cherished by the noble, immediately went there, accompanied by the goddess of fortune, walking on the very feet that are so eagerly sought by highly enlightened mystics and great sages. Jiva Goswami begins by putting forth the comments on this particular verse of Sridhar Swami, that great commentator on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Sridhar Swami comments as follows. Thus, becoming aware in that very moment that members of his own entourage, Swanam, 
had committed an offense towards the sages, Sad Atikrama, he went to the place where Jaya and Vijaya had restrained the four Kumaras. I'm going to leave out the Sanskrit just because the English. Cherished by the noble means that the awareness of those who are noble by virtue of the life by virtue of the life of spirit is captivated by him is captivated by him meaning that one that's dedicated to spirit spirit and we've just gone through a whole section talking about who are, who are those that are captivated by spirit they're those that are what they're in the tree pod vibhuti. Their consciousness is captured by immortality and therefore they're fearless and their whole life is auspicious. So they live at the top of the universe in four planetary, four planets, Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka, and of course Brahma's own planet, Satyaloka or Brahmaloka as it's sometimes called. So they have no interest in the world. They're not consumers, is what Jiva brought out. They don't, they don't eat of the world. They fast from the world. So cherished by the noble, people that cherish that path that... They're captivated by the Supreme Lord, and that's what's going to come out here. These Brahmavadis, the Kumars are Brahmavadis, up to this point right here. Well, just a few points, just a little before this, because what? They made contact with Krishna's devotees in Vaikuntha. They made contact with the gatekeepers so now they're they're coming into the inner circle they're in the outer circle of spirituality they're they've been attracted by brahman and now they're at a threshold and there's going to be a great epiphany on their part here they're going to realize wow we thought we had it all we had brahman but Really, there's something else going on. So that's the glory of this section of the Bhagavatam is we're seeing a third example. A third example of what Jiva Goswami speaks about in the Tattva Sandarbha. What is the, what is the key there in the beginning of the Tattva Sandarbha? What did we learn? That this is the essence, this revelation that it was so powerful that its power had to be put forth in a rewriting of the Bhagavatam by the author. Its power was so strong that it captured the mind of Sukadev who walked naked in the world of man with no, not a care in the world. He didn't want not anything to do with the world, but the Bhagavatam captured him. It captured his interest. Oh, it had something. It had something to offer him. The world had nothing to offer him, but the Bhagavatam, well, that captured his mind, his interest. 
and therefore he became the, the great speaker. And now we have the Kumar, the oldest people in the universe, the first offspring of Brahma. And they're, they're again being, the Bhagavatam is again highlighting the personality of Godhead. It's showing the reader, look, here at the Kumars, four young boys, the oldest in the world, you know, but their forms are their forms don't age because they have no interest in the world. But still, the personality of Godhead has something to offer even then, who again walked naked like Sukadev. So cherished by the noble means that the awareness of those who are noble by virtue of the life of spirit is captivated by them. Their awareness is captivated by the personality. The import of the statement, he came walking, is as follows. The Lord deliberated, he thought to himself, by showing them my feet, I will alleviate their anger, which arose due to being denied that sight. Therefore, to show his urgency, he came on foot. So that was one of the reasons he came on foot. And he came along with Sri. Well, if my feet don't do it, Lakshmi can, because she bestows all good fortune spiritual and material on those. He came along with Sri, the goddess of fortune, meaning that along, although the sages were without desire, this karma, he intended to make them complete by revealing his own internal opulence and thus invoke their forgiveness. So on two accounts, he's trying to be forgiven by these sages. This is Krishna. He's trying to be for, you know, this is Narayan. It's like, well, I need, I need to pacify these, these great, you know, sages. So first he came on his own feet. Let me show them my feet. If that doesn't pacify them, well, let me give them all spiritual opulences I know they realize they think they've had all spiritual opulences, but, well, wait, wait, till they, wait, till, wait till they catch me, wait till they catch just a glimmer of what I am, the embodiment of everything that's Brahman, and, you know, and Lakshmi can give them, they don't want anything material, but their spiritual opulences that they can be given that they're not even aware of is the point being made here. Jiva Goswami, it doesn't say it ends, so this would be a continuation of, of uh, Sridhar Swami. Jiva's, in his son, in his, the Sandarbhas, he saw, He's always careful to let us know, should our Swami's comments end here? Now, what else you're going to hear is from my lips. But it continues. In this description, Bhagavan's nature as the condensed essence of eternity, consciousness, and bliss, 
Satchitanandagana is shown in his attempt to give bliss to the Kumaras, even though they were already absorbed in the bliss of the self simply by showing his feet. That he appeared with Lakshmi means that the manifestation of his conscious internal potency is non-different from his essential nature. That he appeared with Lakshmi means that the manifestation of his conscious internal potency, chit, his chit potency, chit shakti, is non-different from his essential nature, swarup. Though the offense was committed by two devotees only, the use of the plural swanam in the verse implies that his entire retinue was implicated. Now we're getting to this verse is saying it's bringing out the point there's no difference between the Lord and his abode. There's no difference between the Lord and the whole retinue. All of his associates together are one, are practically one personality. They are and they aren't, but they more are than aren't, or aren't they? I mean, <laughs> it just depends on the circumstance. But the points being brought out, wow. Wow, everybody is feeling we owe a, we have to come to the rescue of Jaya and Vijaya. And Krishna came personally, Vishnu came personally, Narayan, came to, to, do, to do the relief work, but everybody was there, part, everybody, everybody in the, in Vaikuntha, it's like, ooh, we don't want, well, we don't want to offend a Brahmin. If any of us offend a Brahmin, we all have offended a Brahmin. It's like a big household. If the sage comes to the house and, and one person in the house you know, is offensive, everybody in the house is considered a defender. I mean, what did uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj, Goswami? He left the house because of the offense of his brother. Was it his brother or brother-in-law? Brother. Brother. So the whole house was in disarray after that offense. So that's that's the Vaishnav, that's the what's being conveyed here also. Alternatively, the use of the plural here may be a sign of respect to Jaya and Vijaya. The words his own for Jaya and Vijaya further indicate that the Kamars were not included. Jiva's saying or Sridhar Swami is saying the Sanskrit wording here means that it could mean the way the verse is constructed that the Kumars aren't included in the all that's being spoken of in the verse. They're not part of the retinue. As part of his inner circle as was the case for Jaya and Vijaya. So Jaya and Vijaya were part of the inner circle and the Kumaras were not. 
although the Kumars apparently would have a higher position, they certainly aren't, they're Brahmins. They're not gatekeepers. They're not simple men that just guard a gate. <laughs> but who has the higher they position were, here? They weren't in Vaikuntha yet, right? We'll come to that. Mm-hmm. Don't jump ahead. Now we come to the commentary. Shijiva Goswami fortifies his argument still further by citing the experience of the Jnani Gurus, the Brahma-realized Kumars. Each of the 14 verses is pregnant with meaning, and Srila Jiva Goswami thoroughly explains each one in these Anuchedas, 79, broken into 14 parts. So it's one Anucheda, but... Every verse is going to be dealt with separately. And what he, this is an interesting way of putting it. In the context of this discussion, Jiva Goswami vehemently repudiates the radical Advaitavad position that the Lord has no transcendental form. He raises objections on their behalf that even they themselves would probably not be able to imagine. So that's what, that's Shiva Goswami's trademark. He can put forth arguments on behalf of the, the, the Mayavad contingent that they can't even, they haven't even thought of yet. And he defeats those arguments also in this commentary, in this Anucheta, in the Bhagavat Sandarbha. Thus Jiva leaves no doubt regarding his conclusions. It mentions here that Narda even approached the Kumaras for education and they acquired, before they began to educate Narda, of course Narda was younger than they were, uh, they inquired, well, what do you know? I mean, you want us to educate you, but what's your level of knowledge? Narada humbly stated that he had studied the four Vedas, Itihasas, Puranas, grammar, mathematics, mineralogy, logic, ethics, etymology, and so on. So Brahma refers to them, meaning the Kumars, as Paramahansa Maha Munaya. Munaya. They're Munis that are Paramahansas. Now what's the distinguishing characteristic, the Paramahansa is the fourth stage of sannyas. So this is, this is the ultimate, the ultimate. And if we look at what we were discussing in the last time, we look at that approach to universal liberation, liberation within a universe, material universe, then we understand that the residents of those higher planets, 
that are given the opportunity to attain liberation by leaving the universe when Brahma's life comes to an end, well, they're all renunciates. So, this whole idea that celibacy has, has to be attained for liberation and that celibacy is, is the entrance door into residence in those higher planetary systems from where one can attain liberation. For us, Najanam Najanam Nasundurim Kavitravad, we don't care for liberation. We just want to be with Krishna's devotees. We just want to hear about Krishna. Liberation, that's up to Krishna. We don't care, you know. That really becomes the state of mind as the devotee advances through from sadhana bhakti to bhava bhakti to prem bhakti. The bhakti takes over. The bhakti takes over to such an extent you don't care where you are. As Kuru says, you could live in the hollow of a tree. If you had that much love in your heart for Krishna, what's the difference? Send me to hell. Because you're with Krishna. And you, because you know you're with Krishna, we know from the Bhagavatam you're protected in all circumstances. You're fearless. Pallad Maharaj was put in the most hellish of conditions from a materialistic viewpoint. Queen Kunti prayed, give me more hell. Lay it on. Because when, I, when I'm put in that kind of a condition, I can't forget Krishna. And Krishna, when I can't forget him, well, I can't forget to love him because that's the be-all and end-all of all relationships. So yeah, help me remember Krishna by putting in me, me in the, those kind of conditions. Sutta Goswami, even in the beginning of the uh, Bhagavatam, includes the Kumars in his list of primary avatars of Krishna, of the Lord. And what is how high is their position? How important is their position? Well, they also have their own Sampradaya. And they, from this encounter... They become Vaishnavs and their Sampradaya is a Vaishnav Sampradaya. We went over most of this in last discussion. mentioned here that the, the Kumaras were so anxious to see the Lord in going to Vaikuntha. They're, they like they were so anxious that they couldn't tolerate any obstruction. Now that's going to come out a little bit. It's going to be brought out in one of the future verses here. Um, But the Kumars, being Brahmavadis, 
had all equal equilibrium. They were, you know, they were topmost moon. They were Paramahansas, topmost sannyasis. They had complete and total mastery of their senses. But uh, and they had. But they were surprised to discover that here before them were two residents of Vaikuntha who seemed to be devoid of such equal vision. So that's what kind of got it, the whole thing started. Wait a minute. We're coming here to Vaikuntha to see the Lord. And we have all equanimity. And here's two gatekeepers that say that are making a distinction. That's, they're saying no to us. They're supposed to be equal-minded. What to speak of Brahmins? What to speak of our form as little boys? I mean, we should have been embraced with open arms. But the seventh gate that the that Jaya and Vijaya was protected is the gate that represents devotion. So they passed through all the other gates, no problem. They were completely pure of material gunas, whatever those other gates represent was is not brought out here specifically but here the seventh gate is representative of you got to love god to get past us do you have that this is the this is this is the key to the last gate and we don't see that that that's there so in our discrimination we're going to put our staffs down and say, hold on a minute here. Kumar's like, what? Hold on? Never, ever, in any of our comings and goings within the material world has anybody ever stood in our way. There's, there's nothing, we are not a threat to anybody. We're equal-minded to everyone, suras and asuras. They all treat us equally. Except for the gatekeepers. <laughs> Except for these two gatekeepers, yes. So, even, even being Brahman realized, they couldn't comprehend the behavior of devotees. It did all that knowledge of the world and knowledge of detachment of the world couldn't help them here in understanding the mind of a devotee. A verse in support of the Lord's running to the spot is in the uh, later in the narration. When a servant commits a sin, people in general blame his master. Such notoriety ruins the master's reputation as much as white leprosy does a person's skin. The Lord considered all Vaikuntha residents to be implicated in the offense, indicating 
the unity amongst liberated devotees and the intense loving relation that exists among them. This is complete non-duality. Advayagyana. This is what it means. We should understand this. This and this is why we're. This is like right in the core of the Bhagavat Sandarbha. It also seems that it's an argument against the fall, fall argument. If you're that, if you're one with the Lord, you're really gonna mm. go somewhere. Yeah, you can't. Can. Yeah, okay. right. Yes. The Kamars were angry over not being able to see the feet of the Lord, so the Lord came to the scene by foot, seeking to pacify them. His subtle wisdom. Krishna upheld the gatekeeper's decision. He went there on foot, and he went to the Kumars. So... It's he went to them. They didn't get to go to him. So that means he stepped through the gate to the other side. Seems that way. Doesn't say specifically. But they didn't. They didn't get in, so he must have. Rice Bhagavatam nowhere comes out here, Bhagavatam nowhere says or indicates that they were able to enter Vaikuntha. doesn't say they didn't, but it doesn't say they did. So, But the way the, the way the pastime has been portrayed and the fact that the staffs, the wooden staffs of Jaya and Vijaya stopped them, it doesn't ever say that the staffs were lifted. Uh, and the Lord came with Lakshmi, with Sri. Why? Because he wanted to bless the Kumars with spiritual opulence, which they were not even aware of. Spiritual opulence to them is Brahman. What's Brahman have to offer? Doesn't have anything to offer except nothing material it's nothing material but there's no positive in in Brahman realization Sri Vamsidhar also postulates that the Lord brought Sri because the Kumars were Nystika Brahmacharis and would bring their anger under control in her presence since men, especially brahmacharis, are generally better behaved when in the company of women. <laughs> this is why we listen to the saints. <laughs> they bring out meanings that we would not... Have an experience. We would <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
Coming to the next verse, this is the 38th verse, they beheld him who, as he arrived, the fulfillment of their trance, having become apparent to their eyes, accompanied by his own associates, who brought with them the paraphernalia for his service. He was being fanned by two risks, swan-like in beauty the pleasing breeze of which shook the pearls that dangled from the white umbrella, appearing like drops of nectar falling from the full moon. Jiva Goswami continues, the next five verses, I'm sorry, in the next five verses, Sri Brahma describes the Lord as he was seen by the Kumars. So he's going to, give us insight into the vision of the Kamars, what their experience was. And this is significant. This is also, he's done this before with Brahma. When Brahma, you know, saw Krishna, the Brahma Vimohan Leela, he describes, you know, what was that, what was that vision like? So it's not, I can only imagine, it's like this. The word they here means the four Kumars. The very Brahman that was the greatly auspicious outcome, Bhagya, or in other words, the utter fulfillment of the sage's meditative trance, though imperceptible to the senses, was now visible directly before their eyes. There's no difference between what they meditated on and now it was becoming another aspect of that same ultimate spirituality was becoming available to their vision. And it was so much, it had so much more to offer than simply what they'd been meditating on, which was Brahman. Jiva goes on. <laughs> Alternatively, the phrase Swa Samadhi Bhagya here means that the supreme truth in the form of Brahman manifested in their own hearts as the greatly auspicious outcome of their meditative trance. As a consequence of this, that supreme truth became directly visible to their eyes. This means that the sages were now clearly experiencing him because he made himself perceptible to the total quantum of their mind and senses, which has been purified and thus attuned to spirit by his self-illuminating potency. So now we see the mercy, you know, they'd done everything from their end. What more could they do? They'd already completely purified themselves. Of anything from the world of man or the external potency, the material energy. That's, they'd reached the limit of perfection. They were what? 
Paramahansa Munis. They knew it all, and they were in complete command. They were Paramahansas. There, it doesn't get better than that. That is, that's the top. Well, there's Babaji's, but. <laughs> So, this, now the Lord is coming to them. He's running to them because they've, they've now come to see his lotus feet. And by circumstance, he's giving them the opportunity. And there's, they're getting a complete, a complete experience. And they're seeing, well, first of all, he's not alone. He's not alone. Here comes... His servants are with him. He's, there's an umbrella over his head. There's chamaras there to make him comfortable. And they're there as they're as gorgeous and beautiful as he himself is. They also have the same transcendental characteristics. They are of Vaikuntha nature too. <clears throat> And this is this is just going to be embellished upon as Brahma goes forward in his explanation of what the Kumars saw. It's just going to more and more is going to come out regarding the Lord, his personal form. Now we're talking about his, his the paraphernalia that accompanied him when he came. Then the verses are going to go on to explain the dress and the competition between the different parts of his dress because one part's thinking it's better than another, because it has a better position. <laughs> so all these things are going to be brought out uh, here by Jiva Goswami. As before, this is Jiva speaking, this incident again illustrates that all the characteristics of Bhagavan such as sound, touch, form, taste, and smell are completely transcendental, being of the essence of condensed eternity, consciousness, and bliss. The personal associates of the Lord constantly ministered to the Lord with various paraphernalia they had brought with them for that purpose. They did so in great loving bliss as they experienced the varieties of sweetness that arose spontaneously moment to moment in him. So they're experiencing as as they're serving him, he's appreciating the service and they're appreciating his appreciation. There's true what's the difference? That's the point that's being made. They're all one and different and one. That's Advayagyana. That's the essence. It was exactly at that moment, out of all possible moments, places, and circumstances, that the Kumars were somehow enabled just to see the Lord yet not to render service. They could see, they could behold this mystic vision, 
but they weren't yet given an opportunity to perform the service. So it's what Jeeva is showing us is there's a difference here. Understand the difference between the loving servitors of the Lord who have a reciprocal relationship and as they render service there, the Lord is enjoying it and the Kamars are like they're just looking on. There's something missing in what, where they're at at this stage in their spiritual revelation. Owing to some extraordinary fortune that arose from their trance. So they were given this opportunity by what? Yadritshaya, some good fortunate. Did they do anything for it? No. What's the nature of bhakti? It's causeless. It just came about. It came about because what? The Lord was anxious to come and protect his servants, the gatekeepers. They just happened to be there. And the cause of the Lord's coming. What was the cause? Were they the cause? Or was the cause the fact that the Lord had to protect the gatekeepers? The Kumars were already aware of the supreme wisdom of enlightenment. So the fact that they aspired thereafter to attain the consciousness an existential disposition of a servant of the Lord shows that these liberated servants from Vaikuntha are manifestations of some particular bliss potency of the Lord. Since the Kumars' minds were suddenly thrown into a frenzy when their love for the Lord was aroused by seeing his dress, paraphernalia, and entourage, this shows that all these are transcendental and blissful like him. This will be explained over the next three and a half verses, beginning with the second half of this one. The word kasara means hanging pearl pendants. Just in case we didn't know what the word meant in the verse, Jesus saying, oh, and by the way, this verse, this is referring to the pendants that are following you know, on the side of the umbrella. The Lord's umbrella is metaphorically likened to the moon and the hanging pearl pendants to drops of water. By drawing comparison to the moon, the implication is that the water drop-like pearls are ambrosial. So we'll start with the commentary to this section and continue from there next time. Any questions? Um, maybe this is a dumb question, but like, um, when you say ambrosial, like, what do you mean? Like, cause I'm like thinking about like the moon and it's like, oh, I've heard it described as, as like a cooling effect, but like, what, what does it mean exactly ambrosial there? Like Soma. Yes. Okay. Intoxicating, overwhelming. What, what do we relate when we see the full moon night? You know, amorous affairs, love, it's intoxicating. It, it, it flows over you. You really have no control. Mm. Something like that. Well, there you were saying water, drops of water, but when you first was somewhere else where it said it was drops of 
with the pearls were like drops of nectar. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. So I'm interested. What if the if the uh, Kumaras were Brahman realized and they think Vishnu is just Saguna Brahman or something? Mm -hmm. He's cool, but we run a road. He's just a you know a means to go to emerge in Brahman. Well, these are Brahma bodies, so they have no misconceptions. These these are Brahma's offspring, Lord Brahma's offspring, first offspring. So these. We have to be careful, and we've, as we've gone through the, the Sandarbhas up to this point, the distinction has been made for us by the, by the current author and commentator uh, to point out and to educate us in what's Brahman, Brahmavadis, who have the proper concept of Brahman according to the Veda, and what's Mayavadis, who have the concocted Sankaracharyas misinterpretation of the Vedas. So the first of all, there's especially in modern Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we have a tendency to say, well, if you don't accept if you don't accept the personality, then you're a then you're a Mayavadi. That's that's the extent of it. Anybody that doesn't accept it. But really there are Brahmavadis who who uh, they they have no interest in the personality. Although they can accept the personality, Vishwanath talks about that in his commentary in the Bhagavatam, so much so that in one verse he says that they're, they're will, they actually, in order to, to attain their Brahman realization, they come to the stage of experiencing the Lord's form directly, and then they have to unhook their mind from that form to continue in their revelation of Brahman. He says, in unhooking the form, what they're doing is they're exposing themselves as being iron-hearted. Because if you actually saw the form of the Lord and recognized it for what it was, your heart would melt and you wouldn't be able to separate your that from your spiritual goal. But if your heart is hard like iron, you can pull your hook-like heart away from the form of the Lord and give up those blissful, the blissfulness that you naturally experienced in seeing that form. But without a little bhakti, you don't attain Brahman. So uh, the distinction has to be there, and we're talking the Kumars are definitely not Mayavadis. They're Brahmavadis. Yes. Thank you so much for your association.